So real quick before we jump into the sermon, we've got a lot going on today, um, but we have a couple um, things that we need to, uh, to take care of here. Um, first off, Garrett Johnson, you may have heard over the past year or so, we've, we've spent plenty of time praying for Garrett Johnson as he was overseas, and Garrett is with us this morning. So Garrett, would you stand up and could we just thank him for his service? It's really awesome that we've had the opportunity to pray for him as he was serving, and now we have the opportunity to have him with us today. And Garrett, thanks for staying connected to us, and know that we love you and are always praying for you. Um, so that, that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, a, couple, a couple months ago, you got to meet Nate Henderson, our Director of Technical Arts, our new Director of Technical Arts. Well, today you get to meet the newest member of our staff. Nate, you're not the new guy anymore. Hasn't been that long, has it? Well, we've got a new, new guy right now. And so, Andrew and Sydney, would you guys come up here for just a second? This is Andrew and Sydney Hall. They are, Andrew is going to be working as our senior high and young adult pastor. And this is their first Sunday with us. They just moved here a couple days ago um, from Newcastle, Indiana, which is right over by Indianapolis. And so, this is their first Sunday with us. Would you welcome them? We're trying, we're trying to get the tallest staff that we possibly can. We're going to try to win a staff basketball league is what we're doing. Um, but, but, you know, we did a dedication, and I asked you to be there for Evan, and, and you've been there for Garrett. And now I just want to say I've been a youth pastor that moved from home, and, and, um, and Andrew's actually from Nashville, um, but Sydney is from Newcastle. Spent her whole life there, and I remember the day that Megan and I got married and went on our honeymoon, and we came back, and the next a couple days, we moved all the way to South Carolina. Now, you're not all the way in South Carolina, but she's away from home, and so I just want to ask you, like I did with Nate, like I always do, to just take time and get to know them. I want to ask you to be encouragers and support them. I want to ask you to be their family here in Westchester. And we are thankful to have you guys. It's going to be awesome working with you. Thank you for coming. You. Don't call him Andy or Drew. Call him Andrew. He doesn't like that. <laughs> just, to, just to give you a warning, I'm helping you out, Andrew. So, um, so today we're, we're continuing in our Rooted series um, and man, there's been a lot of stuff in service. I got to pack a lot in here in the next 20, 25 minutes. Um, but but we're continuing in our rooted series, and and I just want to start with kind of the basic idea of the series, and it's this: in order to be who God created us to be, we must be rooted in an authentic relationship with Christ. We said this last week. This was the beginning last week. It'll probably be next week. In order to be who God created us to be, we have to be rooted, as Kaylin was talking about, we have to be rooted deep in an authentic relationship with Christ. And so last week, we talked about the first step in that, which is knowing God. And we talked about two things. Number one, we don't have to just guess who God is. We have Scripture. We have God's Word that tells us who God is. And so we have kind of a guide to know God. 
But it's not just about that guide. It's just not just about reading something. We talked about the daily relationship, the daily prayer where we are experiencing God. It's one thing to read about it, but daily we have to pray, spend time in prayer and get to know God better. And those two things combined give us a knowledge of who God is and what God's will is. And so first, we need to know God. Well, today we're going to be talking about bearing fruit. Today, uh, we're going to talk about the result of knowing God more. And so someone said to me this morning, they said, man, you don't need to be doing that. You need to be, you need to be focusing on sermon. And I said, this is what I said to him. I said, this pretty much preaches itself. The scripture pretty much preaches itself this morning. So I don't have a lot that I need to add to it. The scripture preaches itself. But today we want to talk about what happens when we, when we spend the time knowing God through scripture and knowing God daily through prayer, what is the result of it? And so I'll start with a quote by one of my favorite authors, Tim Keller. It says this, prayer turns theology into experience. Through prayer, we sense his presence, receive his joy, his love, his peace, and his confidence, and thereby we are changed in attitude, behavior, and character. Prayer turns theology, turns beliefs and thoughts into experience. As we know God more, as we pray and know who God is more, it changes us, it transforms us, it changes our attitude, our behavior, and our character. In high school, I played basketball. Growing up, I played basketball. And, and I love playing basketball. I can go shoot baskets. Sometimes now I'll just come up to the church and just shoot baskets for an hour, hour and a half. I love to do that. When I was growing up, I would always go over to the gym. We lived at the church where they had a gym, and I, it kind of was like my own private gym that I could go over to there in Nashville. And I would, I would go across the parking lot and just shoot baskets for hours, but then, like, I got on the team at, at Hume Fogg at my high school, and we had an hour and a half to two-hour practices every day. How many of you played a sport and went through practices? Or we could expand this, how many of you were in the band or in a musical group, and you have practices all the time? Raise your hand. Okay. And, and those practices aren't always the most fun thing, are they? Like, I love to go shoot around. I love to go run around and pretend I'm Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not. I love to do that. In fact, when I was growing up, I would practice the backwards jump hook, and, um, but I wasn't blessed to be seven foot one, and so I'm not Shaquille O'Neal. But, but practice, every day we would spend an hour and a half to two hours practicing, and sometimes, sometimes, I would be tempted to think, why do we have to do this all the time? Why do we have to go through these, these drills every time? I can remember drills. Um, we would practice where our coach would hold the ball, and we were practicing our defensive zones. And so we would all be in our position, and the coach would pass the ball over to this side, and we all had to move in our zone to be where we were supposed to be. And then he'd pass it to that side, and we had to move. And sometimes it was like, we're not even playing. We're just practicing. There was a famous basketball player, Allen Iverson, who said, come on, man, we're just talking about practice. That's not the game, that's practice. But practice is important to basketball. You have to practice 
to be good in the game. You have to train your body. You have to train your mind. You have to practice. You have to spend time shifting your zones. You have to spend time getting in the right place. You have to spend time learning the plays so that when the game comes, you know what you're doing. Have any of you found yourself, so the other thing I did growing up, well, until about high school when I, when I realized that I was the only guy in this group, is I played the violin. <laughs> I look like a violinist, don't I? Yeah. I played the violin, and I was in the orchestra. Have any of you ever found yourself in a sporting event or a musical concert, and you found yourself just like totally lost? Anybody? Every single day in the orchestra. I'd, I mean, I'm telling you, like, they had all these notes to play, and I just played the closest thing that I could do. If you don't practice, if you don't spend time training yourself, learning what to do, when you get to the game, when you get to the concert, you're going to be lost. That's not a good feeling when you're in the middle of a concert and you're playing the wrong notes. Maybe you're just playing the, an A or a D or an E instead of all the other notes. Practice trains us. For the game, it gets us ready for the game. It helps us understand the game. If you practice in basketball, if you practice your zones, if you practice your plays, then when you run them in the game, you'll be in the right spot. Maybe you'll get an open layup. Maybe you'll get a steal. Maybe you'll be in the perfect position to do what you need to do to help your team succeed. Practice trains us for the game. Well, likewise, as we pray, and I don't mean to make prayer less than the game, but, but likewise, as we pray, as we get to know God better, as we read Scripture and know God's will, we become better prepared for our daily walk and our daily life. Listen, I believe your relationship with God, I believe that authentic relationship, I believe your roots are every bit as important as what happens every day but they can't be separated. Your knowledge and your understanding of God should lead you to a better, to a transformed, to a different life. I want you to understand this this morning because I think there's a lot of people in our culture who call themselves Christians and maybe even they read the Bible or they read devotionals or something like that, but I want you to understand this, this is very important this morning. If we are going to be the people that God created and called us to be, it's not just about knowledge. Our knowledge should lead us to transformation, to be somebody different, to reflect Christ. Practice changes us. Prayer changes us to produce fruit. The roots of a tree produce fruit. Our main verses that we're working through in this series are in Colossians 1, so it's 9 through 14. I'm going to read it again. It says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, this is Paul praying for the church of Colossae, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So there. Knowing God, we pray first and foremost that you will know God's will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And now the second part. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, 
bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul's first prayer is that you will know God and know God's will. And Paul's second prayer is this, that through knowing God and knowing God's will, that you will live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, and that your life will bear fruit. We are not just called to be holy people that come to church and and dress the right way and act the right way and don't do bad things. We are called to bear fruit. We are called for our knowledge of God to change us and lead to transformation that bears fruit. Being rooted in knowledge of God is the first step. The second step is to be transformed in who you are in your life. And so number one, know God Number two, bear fruit. Listen, the reason we practiced for two hours a day in basketball was so that when we got in the game, we were ready. The reason we needed to practice that zone, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen that practice happen before where, where they're, they're just passing the ball. There's no real offense, but you're shifting your zone. But here's the cool thing. In the game, if you know exactly where you're supposed to be on defense in a zone— Almost all the time, unless, unless the offense just makes a great play, you are in the perfect position to defend the way that you're supposed to defend. And so in the game, it's awesome when all of that practice and all of that preparation and all of that knowledge bears fruit. Like I said, maybe you get that steal and that layup. Maybe you win a game. We didn't win many games at Hume Fogg Academic Magnet. <laughs> it doesn't sound like much of an athletic powerhouse, does it? But, but when, when you practice, when you put in that time, it bears fruit. You see it in the game. You play great defense. You're in the right place at the right time. You handle pressure the right way. And ultimately, hopefully, you win the game. Hopefully, that orchestra or choir sounds perfect. And so Paul says, I pray that you will know God. And I pray that you will bear fruit. Just before this prayer um, that Paul has for the people, he talks about what, is, what God is doing in their lives. So this is just before the passage in chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. This is 1, 3 through 7. Listen to this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Now listen to this. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard about it and truly understood God's grace. Paul is writing to a church that has been bearing fruit. And Paul's prayer is that you will continue to know God more and that you will continue to bear fruit. Listen to this. That in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. These people's faith and knowledge in God was leading to transformation in their lives, which was bearing fruit. And so number one, faith in Christ leads, what we see in this scripture, faith in Christ leads to love for all of God's people. 
leads to love for all of God's people. If you really know God, then you should love your neighbor. You should love the people around you. Number two, when that faith leads to loving God's people, it bears fruit. And number three, it spreads throughout the whole world. Our growing knowledge leads to faith, leads to love, leads to fruit, leads to impacting the world. Listen, I can't say this enough. This spiritual journey we're on, this, this, this relationship we have with God, it's not about getting on the spaceship and leaving everyone else behind because they don't get it and they're not good enough. That's not what this is. This isn't about getting your ticket punched to be a part of something that everyone else doesn't deserve. If you think that's what this is about, you're missing it. I saw a movie um, last week, and, and at the end of it, the whole idea, it was one of those movies, there's tons of these that have been made, but at the end of the movie, it was kind of like the, the mankind was doomed, they were going to be done with, and so this one guy had the opportunity to go into the new colony. They were going to go underground and wait for everything to pass, and what he realized is that this transformation that had been going on in his life, and listen, this was a terrible movie. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. It was a terrible movie. It wasn't good. I didn't enjoy it. But this moment was really good because at the end he realized that the transformation in his life wasn't about him being better than everyone else and going away and leaving everyone behind. It was about him being a part of what was happening in the world around him. That's the thing for us Christians. This isn't about getting on the spaceship and leaving. I mean, that's a part of it. We want to be a part of God's kingdom. But this isn't about leaving everyone else behind. This is about being transformed so that we can be a part of God's work in their lives. When we know God, it should lead us to bear fruit. It should lead us to love others. It should lead us to transformation that changes lives. Our faith isn't about getting our ticket punched It's about being a part of what God is doing. And so that leads us to an important question. What does this look like? What does it look like to bear fruit? Well, I'm going to jump over from Colossians 1 to Colossians 3 now. This is Colossians 3, and we're going to work through 1 through 17, but I'm going to start with with 3 and 4. It says, or with 1 through 4, it says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so the the first two things that it says in chapter 3 here is it says, number one, set your heart on things above. And then it says, set your mind on things above. This is really important. We must not only seek to get our ticket punch, we must not only seek to know God, we have to seek to be a part of what God is doing, just like I talked about. We don't just seek to have peace on our own. We don't just seek peace for our own sake. We seek to be a part of God's peace in the world around us. We don't just seek to be blessed. We seek to be a blessing. As we know God, as God transforms us, it should transform our mind and our heart to be set on things above and to be a part of what God is doing in the world around us. If you are praying the prayer, God, give me peace, but you're not praying the prayer God, make me an instrument of peace. 
If you're praying the prayer, God, give me grace, but you're not praying the prayer, God, make me an instrument of grace. If you're praying the prayer, God, give me heaven, but you're not praying, God, make me an instrument to bring heaven to earth, you're missing it. This isn't about a selfishness. This isn't about a ticket punch. This is about being a part of who God is and what God's doing in the world around us. Knowing God leads to transformation that leads to bearing fruit that leads to building the kingdom. Paul goes on and gets really specific, and this is good stuff today. I want you to, I want you to listen to these next few scriptures. I want you to, we'll talk about this in a minute. In verse 5, it goes on and it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Paul says, get rid of this junk. Get rid of it. This isn't what you were created for. You weren't created for selfishness, for, for lust, for, all, for, for evil passions and desires. You weren't created for that. You were created for the kingdom, for the creator. Get rid of that junk. Get rid of it. Look at, the, look at the words that Paul used when he talked about the fruit that was being bared through the Colossians. He said what? He said, we see it in your love. We see it in your hope. We see it in the grace that's active. Love, hope, grace. They don't work with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. They don't work with anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying to each other. These things don't fall in line with who God is and who God created you to be. So you can't be a follower of Christ and live in evil passions and desires and live as a person of anger and hatred. We got to get rid of that stuff. See, so you can't, those things control you. When you lust, lust controls you. When you anger, anger controls you. And here's the thing. You weren't created to be controlled by that junk. And if you are, you know that it creates a mess. It leads you to where you don't want to be. It leads you not to what you were created for, but to brokenness and pain. Paul says, get rid of that junk and submit yourself to God. They do not lead us to prosper. Those things we, we read do not lead us to prosper. None of those things will lead you to prosper. They don't build good character. They don't build good relationships. They break things down, not build them up. And most of all, what it says in the scripture, they are not pleasing to God. It's not what we were created for. Scripture says, Paul says, get rid of them. Because the old self, the old selfish, hateful, anger, lustful self cannot be the same as the new self that God is transforming you to be. 
All right, so if you're taking notes this morning, you've got your notepad out. If you're not, I want you to grab a piece of paper. If you have a bulletin, there's a little bit of space on the back for some notes. If not, there are cards in, in the chair in front of you. If not, you probably have a cell phone, and you have a thing in your cell phone called notes or notepad or something like that. Everybody pull something out. This is really important. I want you to pull that out and get a pen or, or use your finger if it's your cell phone. And I want you to write at one side at the top, Get rid of, okay? Get rid of and underline it. Write it, put it in your phone, whatever. Now I want us to pull back up verses five through 10 and I want us to read through this again. Let's go back to verse five. All right, here we go. Under that category of get rid of, I want you to write these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, keep going, keep going, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. Write that under your get rid of, write that under the get rid of comment. If you didn't get all those, you can look it up later. It's Colossians chapter 3, it's right there at the beginning. Colossians chapter 3, get rid of and write those things. And here's what I want you to do. This is step one. I want you to commit this week to pray that God will cleanse your life of those things. Calvin, one one of the great theologians uh, of our time, or not of our time, but of time, concludes that the only flaws that will destroy us are the ones that we are not willing to admit. Therefore, confession and forgiveness are key. Did you hear that? The only flaws that will destroy us are the ones that we're not willing to admit that we have. Have you ever been there before? You had something that you knew was wrong in your life, but you were not willing to confess that it was wrong. And if you're not willing to confess that it's wrong, it's not going to get solved. And so step one this week is write down, get rid of, write down that stuff. And every day, I want you to admit to your shortcomings I want you to think about the areas of your life that you may be struggling with all of those things in the get rid of category. Maybe it's one of them. I'll give you an example. I've been reading a book over the last couple weeks, and, um, and it, it, basically the whole idea of the book is that we are not entitled to be angry or bitter towards anything. And I'm just going to be really honest with you and forthright that there have been, I mean, I'm not perfect. I hope you know that. I don't think I'm a good actor enough to... to make you think that I'm perfect. But, but there are things in my life that occasionally are out of whack. And there was something in my life in the last couple weeks that I was struggling with, with just some frustration, some anger, some bitterness over. And so as I was confronted with those things, I had to pray to God and say, God, take that away. That doesn't honor you. That's the old self. That's not the new self. Get rid of it. And it's gone. So this week... Number one, your first goal is to confess the things in your life that don't honor God, the things that are listed in Colossians 3, 5 through 10. And then I want, to, I want you to ask for forgiveness. And then I want you to ask God to take those things away, that, that you won't struggle with those things anymore. I want you to confess them. I want you to ask for forgiveness. And then I want you to ask God to cleanse your heart of those things that don't honor God. 
And so do that this week. And I've got really good news for you this morning. God wants to forgive you and to cleanse you and to redeem you and to transform you. This isn't going to be a no if you're willing to pray that with all your heart. God will transform you. If you're willing to know God, God will transform you and get rid of that junk. I'm not saying it won't crop up every once in a while. I'm not saying life's going to be perfect and you're going to be an angel for the rest of your life. But if you'll keep connected to God and if you'll confess and seek forgiveness... God will get rid of that junk. And so pray for transformation. Number one, get rid of that junk. Number two, Paul goes on. And and so I want you to take that piece of paper or that phone, take it back out for a second. What kind of pastor encourages people to pull their phone out during a sermon, right? Pull your phone out, pull pull the pad of paper out. And on the other side, I want you to write this. Make me an instrument of... That's long. You can rephrase it if you want to. Make me an instrument of. Now verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, were you, did you get ahead and take notes there? Let's read through it one more time, and I want you to take notes. And if you don't get it, this is verse 12 through 17 of Colossians 3. Take these notes. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness, gratitude. You got that? Write that down. These are the things that are pleasing to God. These are the things that will really be fruit in your life. They're the things that will lead to fruit. I would usually take time and go through each of these things, but I want you to do that on your own this week. I want you to take the time to pray that God will remove the things that are holding you back, the things that don't please God, and then I want you to take time and say, God, let me be an instrument of these Things. The second goal is to become like Christ, to bear fruit. And so last week, we prayed all week that we would know God more. We prayed that our roots would get deepened in that authentic relationship. This week, we're praying that God would remove the stuff that keeps us from bearing fruit and that God would clothe us with the things that please God. Here's the great thing about all this. If you really want to have a positive impact on the people around you or the world around you, if you really want to please God, if you really want your life to make a difference, do you know how that happens? It happens as you bear fruit and reflect 
who Christ is. It doesn't happen when our church has the perfect music. It doesn't happen when when your life has the perfect program or the perfect things to say. You will have an impact on the people around you when you reflect Christ every day. Think about the people that have changed your lives. They weren't selfish people. They were people that loved and were peaceful and were forgiving. That's what changes lives. And so if you want your life, if you want our church to be effective and to be fruitful and to have an impact on our community, and I do more than anything else, I don't want to play church. I want to impact the people around us. I want you, when you go to work tomorrow, to have an impact on the people in your life. I want you, when you go home, to have an impact on your children. That's going to happen when we reflect who Christ is, when we clothe ourselves with compassion and peace and grace and humility, that's when we're fruitful. If we want to impact those around us and the community around us, it starts with reflecting Jesus and bearing fruit. I want to read you a letter that I was handed this morning. This is perfect timing. Somebody handed me this letter before church. This week, uh, we had Family Promise at our church. Family Promise is a ministry, if you don't know, where where people um, that are trying to get their lives on track, they they live at different churches every week, and this was our week to host Family Promise. And so we have an awesome group of volunteers that comes together and serves. If you volunteered this week, raise your hand for Family Promise. Don't be shy. We have an awesome group of people that love and are willing to spend time and effort to care for these people. And so for the last week, we've had people in our church that were staying in our church. And during the day, they would go get training. And they're trying to get the jobs that will get their life in order. Family Promises, a ministry we have. And this morning, I was handed a note from somebody that went through Family Promise this week. And I want you to hear this because I just told you that the only way, the best way we're going to impact the the world around us is through being Christ-like. Listen to this. Because of your congregation's encouragement and support, I was really motivated to meet these time frames. But without the support I've received this week, I highly doubt I would still remain in this program And so sincerely and genuinely from the bottom of my heart, you helped make our recovery another week closer. Bless you all. And I think I found the church that I'd like to come to. It's not about music. It's not about preaching. That stuff's all fine. It's about being Christ to the people around us. If you want to bear fruit, then you need to know the Father. You need to know God and be transformed. And you need to clothe yourself with Christ-likeness. And the best news of all is this. If we'll just be who God created us to be, if we'll stay connected with deep roots through relationship with Christ, if we'll be transformed and bear fruit and be a people of kindness and peace and love like the volunteers this week were, It'll change people's lives. It'll change the world around us. So this week, you got two assignments. Hopefully you're continuing to pray every day. Hopefully you're continuing to spend that time with God. We have the the guides if you have them. This week, I want you to take that list of the get rid ofs and the make me an instruments of. And every day I want you to pray the prayer, God, point out things in my life that I need to get rid of. 
And God, make me an instrument of your love and your peace to the world around us. That's what this is about. This isn't about a ticket punch. This is about being a part of God's kingdom that's being built. And I've got good news for you. You're a part of the greatest thing that's ever happened on this earth. You're a part of something much bigger than Apple computers. You're a part of something much bigger than the NFL. You're a a part of God's plan to redeem this world. And so this week, pray that God will transform your heart and make you an instrument of his love and peace to the world around us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together today. I thank you for the dedication. I thank you um, for Garrett being here. I thank you for Andrew and Sydney and the celebration there. And Father, we come before you and we've come together to worship this morning. And, and hopefully each of us is experiencing you daily. We're praying. We're getting to know you better. But Lord, I pray that this week, that today, that tomorrow, each and every one of us will spend time Praying that you would transform us from the old self that was all about me and all about what I wanted to be a part of your kingdom, to make a difference in people's lives, to bear fruit. Father, help us, your church, Westchester Nazarene, your people, to bear fruit for you. We love you, Lord. We give everything we have to you today. Amen.